It's time for Cadillac On Call on News Radio 610 KONN. It's your chance to learn valuable health information right here in our community. Now, the host of Cadillac On Call, here's Jim Hall. Good evening, friends. Welcome to another edition of Cadillac On Call. Jim Hall with you. Cadillac On Call presented by Cadillac Foundation. And one year later, it seems this COVID-19 vaccine, uh, COVID-19 pandemic that we have been enduring for the past year, it seems like these anniversaries are starting to pile up. Well, tonight is yet another one for us on our program. For it was one year ago this week, we had our first full program devoted to COVID-19. It was March, the first week of 2020. And here we are a year later. We are still... Talking about it in high profile in our community and across the country and around the world as we continue to hopefully see the the downside of this pandemic, at least as far as the numbers, the cases, the hospitalizations, and ultimately the deaths. So a year later, uh, here we are again still dealing with it. And, and our focus for the past year has been to do just that, provide as much information as we can relative to not only the latest trends in COVID-19 and the, and the coronavirus, but also now that the vaccine is on the horizon, provide you the latest information on where people who are eligible to get the vaccine can indeed do that. So tonight we're going to hear from Heather Hill from the Benton Franklin Health District. Later in our program, we're going to check in with leaders from Cadillac Clinic and Cadillac Regional Medical Center, uh, which has been very busy. The whole organization has been busy the past several weeks, as has uh, the health district and the first responder community around the Tri-Cities, uh, trying to get as many shots as they say into the arms of our residents. So we'll talk with Megan Joyce from Cadillac, and we'll wrap up our program with a co- uh, conversation with Chief Bob Gear from the Pasco Fire Department to talk about not only the work that is happening out at the mass vaccination site in Kennewick, but also efforts underway in partnership with the health district to get the vaccine out to people who may not have access uh, transportation-wise or may be confined to their home to make sure they're getting this all-important vaccine. So a lot of ground to cover, as usual, tonight. And we begin with Heather Hill, the Communicable Disease Program Manager with the Benton Franklin Health District. And, Heather, why don't you begin? I understand what's the latest tonight. I think the trends uh, still keep going in the right direction. I know the hospitalizations, at least from a Catholic perspective in our community, uh, continued to be very favorable, under 10% of four hospitals around the region. Yeah, you're exactly right, Jim. Our our trends for disease rate, our disease activity, you continue to decline. But, you know, we're, we're watching how exactly how slow they're starting to decline in it, and that has us a little bit concerned. So it's not declining as rapidly as we saw uh, through February. So we really need to keep an eye on that and make sure that it doesn't start trending back up. And hospitalizations are are up. However, the good news is they're decreasing for the COVID and COVID-like illness uh, type hospitalization. So again, that's trending in the right direction. So you mentioned that the case trends are coming down, but I think you even mentioned this back in January when we started to flatten off. But So they're not coming down as much as you'd like to see them continuing to go down. And I've heard that, I've heard that same point raised nationally. Right. We, we're watching ours go down, but the downward trend is slowing. And then we look to other communities across the nation and realize that that, that could be a sign that gives us concern. And once again, 
puts us in a position to remind our community we're COVID's not done with us yet and we need to keep doing those mitigation efforts to make sure that the trend doesn't go back up in the wrong direction so here we are the weather is starting to get nicer i know in washington state they've relaxed some of the opening up standards i'm hearing states across the country i think it's texas and mississippi are talking about totally going back to full operational openness relative to this. And I know that obviously has concern across the country, but is it, is that that continual push-pull of, okay, uh, we're making progress, but we're not quite done with this? And I, I think it's human nature to start relaxing, and the weather's good, it's sunny out, and people want a change in their life. But we are so close. We are so close to... Um, seeing some light at the end of the tunnel, I would really hate for us as a community to start heading backwards. And we, we need to continue to go to our testing sites and get tested. So the CBC site is still open. It's fast. It's free. Uh, results are usually within 24 hours. And we need to see people continue to test because we're also concerned that that asymptomatic carrier rate and as people are starting to gather more and more as things open up, that's where that asymptomatic carrier can expose a person that um, may not fare so well with COVID. And that's the point we'll start see our, seeing our data trend the wrong way. So the testing site is out at the near Columbia Basin College out off of Argent. Is that opening? Is that still open seven days a week? Yes, it is. So it's open seven days a week, and again, you're saying if people feel that for any reason they would that they should get tested, they should indeed do so. Absolutely. If you feel you've maybe been in a risky environment because of a gathering you ended up at, uh, I know this is the time of year people start complaining about allergies, and so oftentimes the person will test positive for COVID and say, "I honestly thought it was just my allergies acting up." And that's, that's the problem is people assume it's something else, and then they expose a person that COVID will really be detrimental for them. So we can't relax our guard, and we've got to keep testing. As we come on the air tonight, it was just about 24 hours ago, uh, nationally, President Biden, I know, had put out the directive with the advancement of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine on the horizon and making it more available in the coming days, weeks, and months that I know he put out an edict, which now the state of Washington has followed up on, and that is to get our school personnel uh, vaccinated uh, as soon as possible. So now are they all, all of the... Uh, the public employer, the school employees, I should say, not only teachers, but people who work within the school systems, are they now eligible in this phase system to get their vaccine if they, qual- yes. if, if, if there is vaccine available? Yes, they are now qualified to come in and get vaccine. And it's not just teachers, but you're right. It's anybody who works within the school system, including the bus drivers and also the child care providers. So we're really trying to look at all those people who work so closely with the children that really do affect the trends within our school as far as COVID uh, rates. So we want to start getting those in and get them vaccinated and as vaccines available. Today out at the test or at the mass vaccination site out at the fairgrounds, we did have a number of, of teachers come through, which was good. We had a little extra vaccine. We were able to open some slots, and we did have teachers start to come through. 
So with right. that, while, while we have you on that topic, because it's a question that I, that I know I get and I hear quite often, is that out at the mass vaccination site, uh, if whether they're teacher, they're in this qualified category now. What is what should they do if they want to get tested, but or want to get a vaccine, but don't have an appointment? Should they show up, and and how do they go about doing that? What's your advice? Sure, there's a period of time through the day when we realize we're going to have no shows. They make an appointment, and for whatever reason, they don't show. And we're actually seeing kind of a community trend as we talk to our partners that are vaccinated. We're seeing roughly a 20% no-show rate. So people will go ahead and make their appointment, but for whatever reason, don't show up. We've preserved the vaccine for them. We hold it for a short period of time. And once we realize there's a highly you know, unlikely chance that these people are going to show up, we do then open up a holding lot out at the fairgrounds. So if they are in phase uh, we and they don't have an appointment, we will put them in the holding lot. And as we're able, we will start processing them through and go ahead and get them vaccinated. Oftentimes, um, we will be able to register them right there while they're waiting uh, you know, with the iPads and get them in the system so that they can move through rather quickly. So what should they do if, if, if they're in that, that category, as you say, but don't have an appointment? Should they just what time of the day maybe should they, would you recommend that they go out there and get in this holding line? And what are the chances that they would indeed get the vaccine? We usually are opening up that holding line, you know, fairly early in the afternoon is, is a good time to start thinking about it. And we've been very, very lucky um, that the majority of people who come into our holding lot actually do make it through the clinic. They may have an hour or two wait but we're still oftentimes able to get all of them in. What we do is we we keep an eye on our data. We look at to see how many people have not shown up, and then we start releasing that vaccine and, and try to move these people out of that holding lot as soon as we feel comfortable that that vaccine just needs to get into somebody's arm. Because once we start puncturing the vials, we have so many hours where we have to get it into a person's arm. So we're watching our clock all the time out there to make sure that we're getting that vaccine processed through and into arms in the right amount of time. Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District. She's with us for one more segment. We'll have further discussion relative to vaccine availability and more tips on how you could get signed up if you are now in that phased category that is eligible. And we'll do that right after this. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610-KONA. This program is not a substitute for direct consultation with your own health care provider. Always consult your health care provider for your specific condition, especially if you have or suspect you may have a medical problem. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Here again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to the program, continuing our discussion with Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District. And Heather, let's uh, pick up the conversation relative to vaccine and the fairground site. What is the schedule the rest of the week and when can people who don't have appointments start looking to be able to sign up for next week? Sure. Um, We are running on Tuesday through Saturday and we typically find out about our next week's allocation sometime um, oftentimes either pushing toward the weekend or over the weekend. And it's about that time that they start opening up 
the appointment schedule. So Department of Health then opens up the schedule and people can go into the um, prep mod application and actually get scheduled for their appointment. So I encourage people to just kind of keep our keep your eyes on our website, and we certainly do keep information on there to alert them that yes, the site is open and you can can get um, your appointments made. And sometimes we're able to open up even more appointments day to day if we have a large number of people who actually were had appointments and didn't show, we're able to roll that vaccine over into the next day. And so we've been able to open up appointments um, even on a day-to-day basis. So just keep an eye on that site. And again, go to findyourphasewa.org. That will help you determine if you're in phase, and then it will link you into the, um, the prep mod scheduling application, and you can get scheduled right into our clinics. And you... Make a quick uh, 15 seconds or 20 seconds, if you would, on, so you're having a lot of, still continuing to have problems with people no-showing. Is that because they're getting appointments in multiple locations? Right. We know there's a variety of reasons. People uh, set up an appointment with us, but then go someplace else to get the vaccine. They decide, you know, other countries only have one dose or another vaccine is over only one dose. Do I really need to get this second dose? Maybe not. And then there are some people who um, have heard about the side effects and say, you know, I'm just not going to do that with that second dose. And um, people really need to follow through with whatever place you made your first appointment at. Follow through with that appointment because that vaccine is being reserved for you. And if you're not able to come cancel your appointment so that it can be offered to another person. And you mentioned the second dose, and that's the first two vaccines that are available, Pfizer and Moderna. But now the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is on the horizon, and that's just one dose. How soon do you expect to see those uh, those vaccines in our community? We expect to see that vaccine in our community very soon. Uh, Department of Health has let us know that they will start receiving the Washington State allotment of that vaccine in the first week of March. So we anticipate seeing some as early as, as probably next week. And the good news with that one is it does have a very high efficacy. It's 85% effective against provo- preventing severe COVID-19. It's for 18 and older, and it can be stored in refrigerator temperatures, which make it a lot easier for providers to uh, accept this vaccine because of the uh, storage and handling is so much easier. I know there's been some concern, well, it's only one dose and the efficacy has been as high as the other two. But when you look at the studies, what we look for is, did that vaccine actually prevent severe illness and death? And what we can say with this Johnson & Johnson vaccine, the placebo group, the people who were in the study that did not get the vaccine, people did die of COVID disease. But in the group of people who got the vaccine, they did not. We saw no deaths to COVID after getting the Johnson & Johnson. So that tells us the vaccine is doing exactly what we're asking it to do, and that prevents severe disease, hospitalization, and death. 
And one last question relative with this new vaccine coming on the horizon. That's what's precipitated the move to get the school community vaccinated sooner than later. Uh, when what is is there work? I'm guessing there's a ton of work being done here locally, but statewide as well on setting up opportunities for the school community to uh, to get vaccinated. We've been having weekly calls with the school leadership since, oh, goodness, last summer, uh, anticipating uh, the, the vaccine arriving. And so we've worked with the schools and our community partners. We have a lot of community partners who, as soon as they get enough vaccine, they are very willing to set up clinics for, for the school district to do whatever they can to help get our school teachers and our school workers vaccinated so we can, you know, our goal is let's get our kids back to face-to-face learning. And this is one huge step to make that happen. And we're, we are so fortunate in the Tri-Cities to have a lot of community involvement. We have a lot of providers in the community. Give them the vaccine. They will get it into these school teachers' arms. And so your advice for a school teacher or a school employee who might be listening is what? We certainly would love to see them out at the mass vaccination clinic. Stay tuned. We know that we have community partners who will be working with the school district to set up various events to help get those school teachers vaccinated. Probably the most important message we can give is, honestly, the vaccine that you should get is the one you have access to. So if you have access to Johnson & Johnson, get it. Moderna, get it. Pfizer, get it. Whichever vaccine you have access to is the one that you should go ahead and accept. Now, over the years, you have taught me a lot about uh, public health and communicable disease, but I think you were talking about this word efficacy, which is effectiveness of the vaccines. And I think you told me at one time the normal flu season is like 55 to 60 percent or around that figure is a good efficacy. But seeing even 85 and 90 for over 90 percent for these three vaccines, that is even more promising. You're right, Jim, because when we look at a vaccine, we want it to be somewhere around that 60 percent efficacy, 50, 60 percent. So when we're looking at these vaccines and realizing that they're 85, 94, 95% effective at preventing severe illness and death, that's one good vaccine, and that's what's exciting about it. All right, we have just a couple of minutes left, and so the advice then is if you're on the fence, you're worried, and say you're in the two-dose, say you've got that first one, get the second dose, don't hesitate. And if you're by all means on the fence about getting a vaccine at all, your advice is get the vaccine. Absolutely. It is, you know, I think it's honestly one of the best tools in our toolkit right now is to get vaccinated. You know, we certainly can't forget to wear our masks and wash our hands and keep our distance, but we really need to add that fourth tool. And I know the goal uh, of the president is to get at least one dose in every teacher and school and child care employee by the end of March. So we have a really, really uh, big list ahead of us to to make that happen. And right now, the only thing I think holding back Tri-Cities is, is access to vaccine, which from what we're hearing um, initially, unfortunately, it's going to kind of trickle in. But then it sounds like Johnson & Johnson and their partnership with Merck Pharmaceuticals, they will be able to actually 
get that produced and out into um, the states at a much faster rate in the near future. And I understand you hit 20,000 vaccines administered at the fairgrounds? We did. Saturday by early to mid-morning, we hit our 20,000th vaccine out there. And that was certainly a, a milestone that was exciting for you know, all of us working out there. It's a, a pretty amazing operation, uh, partnership between many people. It's Benton Franklin Health District. It's our incident management team, police, fire, Department of Health. It's, it's a genuinely a community operation out there. Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District. Thanks so much for your time. Back with the second half of Catholic on Call right after this. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Once again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to our program. We're going to continue the discussion on vaccinations, and we're going to zero in our focus at Cadillac Regional Medical Center. And we had last week, we were able to be joined by Megan Joyce, who is one of the coordinators of the clinics that are happening that Cadillac puts on uh, around the Tri-Cities area over at the HealthPlex. And we thought it'd be great to invite Megan back out uh, to talk a little bit about how those clinics are working and how often they're able to be held and again, it sounds like everything else, it's all dependent upon the availability of that ever-precious vaccine. So Megan Joyce, is her, uh, she's a nurse by training and is the manager of clinical programs for Cadillac Clinic, which is the medical group practice part of Cadillac. But she's spending a ton of her time uh, coordinating these vaccine clinics over at the, the Cadillac HealthPlex. And Megan, maybe since we last spoke, I know there have been a couple of different uh, opportunities for, I think it's second dose vaccine. So a lot of coordination going in to making sure people are not only getting the first dose, but the second dose as well. Talk a little bit about all of that planning and how that works. Yeah. So uh, what we do is um, when we get supply for first doses, we look about um, uh, 17 to 21 days for Pfizer and 24 to 28 days for Moderna um, out to make sure that we uh, have a, a clinic planned for uh, those second doses. And then um, we get those scheduled and uh, we um, contact uh, patients who got their first dose uh, often by email or if they called in by 211, they call back into 211 um, so they can uh be able to get both doses and and be fully vaccinated. As we speak, it's March the 4th, a Wednesday evening, and I know tomorrow, which is a Thursday, uh, there's a clinic happening where you have, what's happening tomorrow? Is this a second dose groups of people? Yep. Tomorrow we are doing second dose Modernas. Um, So people who received their first dose Moderna on February 4th, uh, will receive their second dose Moderna um, tomorrow. And they should have received um, email communication in order to get that set up. So, And how many people will be receiving vaccines tomorrow? Or what's the schedule look like? It's about 500 people. So a busy uh, day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, we do uh, around 25 people every 15 minutes. We can vaccinate about 25 people every 15 minutes at the HealthPlex. So that's great news that people are uh, 
methodically, I guess regularly, and hopefully even more increasingly as uh, more vaccine becomes available, being able to get vaccinated. But for people who still have to, walk walk us through, if you would, uh, what they can expect when they come to the HealthPlex to, to get their vaccine process. Yeah, so we've got a great setup at the HealthPlex. Um, it's one level, so uh, patients can uh, walk in. They will uh, have their temperature taken and then uh, they'll be guided to um, some uh, individuals at computers who will get them checked in. They'll check uh, their appointment and make sure uh, that we've got them on our list. Uh, after they're checked in, uh, they will walk back to a room well, where they will complete a registration form um, to uh, make sure that uh, it is indeed appropriate for them to get the vaccine. It looks at, you know, allergies and those types of things. Um, after that, they um, go a couple steps over and they get their vaccine. And then they go to the observation room, um, which is kind of uh, back out in front. And um, they wait there for 15 minutes and then they're free to go. Um, and the whole process takes about uh, uh, 20 to 30 minutes, uh, 15 of that being um, the observation period. What should someone when they what should they expect? When we spoke with Heather in the in the first half of the program, she had touched on that some people are hesitant to get that second dose because they have heard of that it might have some some side effects. But when someone comes in, I guess, first or second, what should Mm -hmm. you know, should they should they be able to take Tylenol in advance if they might get a sore arm or what do you what do you advise? Um, typically, I, I think that that biggest side effect is, is the sore arm and um, people can uh, take the over-the-counter um, medication for that after afterwards. Um, and it, it typically resolves in, in a couple of days, the, um, the, the soreness in their arm. Um, other people may have um, general body aches, those types of things, um, and they're usually uh, quickly resolved as well uh, within a couple of days. So what you're saying is regardless, I mean, that means the vaccine's probably working, right, if you are mm-hmm. experiencing whatever level. Is that kind of what it is? It's almost like COVID itself that it, imp- you know, people that have gotten it have, have had mild symptoms, and then we know it can be the total opposite, the, 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 the very serious extreme. Is it kind of the same way with these side effects? Yeah, most side effects are, are mild, um, and they uh, they they go away quickly. It's your body's um, immune response um, uh, to the to the vaccine uh, building up those um, antibodies. So, um, uh, the very rare uh, side effect would be. Um, would be an allergic reaction and that we screen for um, before you get the vaccine uh, to prevent that. And and that's very rare. I bet you're looking forward to using this Johnson and Johnson vaccine because the math problems, it's just a one dose. So it it takes a lot of coordination to, to, like, as you say, one of the vaccines, it's a three week window between first and second ones. It's longer. And, and you're also having to navigate trying to get people first dose vaccine. Yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah, the Pfizer is is three weeks and the Moderna is uh, four weeks in between. Um, and that does make it a little bit tricky trying to get people back in, in the right time frame. Um, and so that the Johnson and Johnson vaccine uh, is only uh, one shot. So uh, that's something that will uh, help to um, improve the amount of people uh 
getting vaccine because you only have to come in once. So um, it's pretty exciting. And I know with the, I, I, with the limited supply of vaccine, and I know a lot of the priority from the state level goes to these mass sites, such as the one out at the fairground. So uh, that is that what limits, for example, Catholic's ability to do the first dose of vaccines for people just because of that limited supply? So you don't necessarily know from week to week if, you, if you're going to have to ha- be able to have a first dose group of vaccines. Yeah, so our first doses that were available uh, available to offer, it depends on what is allocated uh, by the state. And so we put in um, to the state and, and then they give us supply. Um, and then it, it definitely varies by, by what the state has to allocate and, um, and, and the numbers that they're looking at. So um, we are able to offer first doses when we're able to get that uh, supply. And I know you're, the, the news just came out with the, yesterday that they're allowing the school employees able to be able to start getting their vaccines. Um, and again, is that kind of the same thing as, as Cadillac will be working with the partners to be able to uh, offer as this unfolds, as more vaccine becomes available uh, to do these kinds of vaccine clinics? Correct. Yeah, we're uh, working with the health district, hoping to be able to have a a vaccine event um, for school district employees once uh, supply becomes uh, available um, so we can uh, be able to get our, our teachers vaccinated. So the school employees should stay closely connected to their school districts, I'm guessing. And then for people that have the first dose with Catholic, it's, is it Facebook is the, one of the ways when there are available? And then I know you even gone to the links uh, for people that may not be as tech savvy to use 211 to sign up, right? Correct. Yeah. So when we offer um, our first doses, we... Uh We'll post to our Facebook page. It's a link to sign up. Um, there's uh, the screening to make sure that you're in the right phase. And then um, it, uh, it takes you to a link to be able to, to sign up. Um, and then also we, we've worked with 211. And so uh, uh, if you call 211 and, and give them your address, they can uh, get you um, when we have first dose supplies, uh, they can get you connected uh, with our HealthPlex site and signed up. They give you a, a code that you uh, give to us when we come in, and, and it works really well. So, Well, Megan Joyce, again, thanks for taking some time to join us. Good luck tomorrow. 500 more uh, doses administered and uh, continued uh, great work uh, for the entire team involved. I know there's been countless hours all across the Catholic system in doing that. Megan Joyce from Catholic Regional Medical Center Vaccine Clinic, one of the coordinators of the HealthPlex, which is over on Lee Boulevard in Richland. We have one more segment of our program, and we'll get to that right after this. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program is not a substitute for direct consultation with your own health care provider. Always consult your health care provider for your specific condition, especially if you have or suspect you may have a medical problem. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Here again, Jim Hall. Just a few minutes left, and throughout our program and throughout the past year, we have talked about the incredible amount of coordination and planning and effort, whether it's uh, batting down the COVID-19 virus uh, throughout the most of 2020. And now that we're into 2021 and the virus or the vaccine, I should say, is on the horizon, it's all of the planning that's gone into making sure uh, when the vaccine becomes available, it is uh, provided to the people who need it. 
and uh, that's going to continue for the foreseeable future. So the first responder community, the healthcare community across our community, across the region and across the country and world for that matter, has just has been performing yeoman work. And we're going to wrap up tonight uh, by going back to the phone and talk to uh, Chief Bob Gear. Bob, his day job is the chief of the Pasco Fire Department and has had a career in the fire services uh, throughout the Tri-Cities area. But he spent a lot of his time the past year not only helping uh, set up testing sites around the Tri-Cities, but most recently with this max vaccination uh, clinics that are available out at the fairgrounds in Kennewick. And Chief Gear, thanks for taking some time with us. And I think we touched on Heather with Heather earlier in our program that there have been 20,000. Uh, that mark has been surpassed with vaccinations out at the fairground site. Congratulations. What's it been like for you? actually been a wonderful experience and and as of tonight there we're at 24,162 doses given um i i'm you know you have to go back at when we have a chance to go after the virus which we've had we've been on the defense for so many months so many months almost a year now and now we have a chance to go after it we have the the vaccine we can be aggressive we can go after and it's been it's been a great experience and and getting that site stood up and getting the number of people we can go through there um, we can do twice the number of people that we get in vaccines a week um, so it, it's it's been good I, I it, it's been a wonderful thing to help the community this way I was going to say in your career of your you know you're used to I know some of these range fires can can last for you know days and maybe a, a week or two. But did you ever think something like this where it's we're well into a year? No. Um, you know, I, I went to 9-11. Um, I went to Columbia Shuttle Recovery, um, lots of hurricanes. Those are 30-day assignments. Um, but I think all of us that do major incident management um, as a career recognize at some point you're going to have you're going to have a long duration. Um, we get fires that go for months and months and rotate um, teams, management teams through them, and that's essentially what we're doing at the fairgrounds. We're all trading off. There's there's people that are trading off their time um, and doing uh, 15 days there, a three-week assignment, and then somebody else comes in and relieves them. Um, so it's, it, we're making it work. It's, it's not that much different than a fire that starts early in the year and burns into October. I was going to say, uh, you, you mentioned much of the time uh, the past year was standing up the testing sites and making sure that people could get testing. And again, early on, that was all subject to getting the test results back, similar to where we're at now. But now the testing sites are just, you know, you can zip through and you can get your results back much faster. And now as we shift into the vaccine side, is it kind of the same approach? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, we wanted to stand up a testing site that people could get through. We heard a lot of um, community complaints about testing that took five, six, seven days to get results back. And, and we were able to make contact with a organization that was able to stand us up and hook us up with the University of Washington and set up a test site that got results in 24 or less, and sometimes it got a little longer when it got really backed up. But, you know, that was really good. I felt really good about that with the community. And um, now we have a chance to stand up. And, and, you know, the fire department, it's not our normal job. This is a public health emergency. And we had to have um, letters of authority.
authority or delegations of what we call a delegation authority from health for us to help them. Um, and they've been willing to do that. And that hasn't happened all over the state. Um, I have to recognize that our health department and state DOH um, really reached out and, and allowed the fire service to stand up and help uh, get these sites going, both the testing site and the vaccine site. And that's what's made it really successful here in this community. From a man who's made his uh, career of uh, putting out fires and and keeping the public safe, we've got maybe a minute, minute and a half left, but what would be your, your advice to someone sitting at home uh, who hasn't gotten vaccinated, who's concerned, who, I guess just from your, from your expert view, what's your takeaway message for our listeners tonight, Chief? Vaccine is the only ability we have to go on the offense against the virus. And I respect people's opinion and I get vaccinated. That's okay. Um, we know there's going to be about a third of the population that won't. Um, but for those of you that will, let's take the opportunity to go on the offensive against the virus. And that's the only thing we can do. Otherwise, we stay on the de- defensive wearing masks and social distancing. And one final comment, if you would. You touched on just monumental events such as 9-11 and, and, and space accidents and hurricanes, natural disasters. And, and now this, uh, is this just kind of, I know you're, you've got a few years left in your career, but is this kind of what, why you do what you do? This will probably be the most satisfying thing I've ever done in my career, to get the test site stood up and, and then to get the vaccination site stood up and make it work and pull people together in the community to make this work. Um, I, I hope it is the, the highlight of my career. And hopefully it uh, ends uh, sooner than later, right, Chief? <laughs> hopefully, but we'll see it through to the end. We'll, we'll do the job. We'll get it, we'll get it done. Chief Bob Gear with the Pasco Fire Department and instrumental with a whole array of uh, first responder leaders and, and public health leaders around our region to to keep uh, testing going in our community and most importantly now, as he says, going on the offensive uh, with the vaccine. Our thanks to Chief Gear to Megan, Megan Joyce with Catholic Regional Medical Center and Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District. And of course, our thanks to you for listening and we'll talk again next week.